you to go there. Here's the challenge that I face every fall. In the fall, we do a lengthier textual study in this church. So the last few years, we've uh, used August all the way up to Thanksgiving to walk through the books of Ephesians, Revelation, 1 Peter, Exodus. We did a, I did a series on uh, the Holy Spirit a few years ago, and this year we're walking through Matthew. And one of the challenges is is that I have 14 weeks, so even in 14 weeks, I kind of have to pick and choose what chapters and what places we're going to focus on and and what we may skip a little bit. And as I was discerning with God how this series was going to flow, I came to Matthew chapter 11, and I knew that we we needed a teaching on this, both because of the good news of how it points to God, but the good news of what this has like the, the availability of what this can do for you in your life. In Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, I'm sure there's someone in this church This is your favorite verse in the Bible, or verses. It goes like this. This is from Jesus. Come to me, all you, not just some, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the church said, amen. Is there any weariness in the house this morning? Anybody? Anybody in need of just a little bit of rest? If I were to ask you what is the best night's rest you've ever had in your life, do you know when that came? And has it come in the year 2021? Uh, Tish Warren is a a woman. She wrote one of my favorite books I've read this year. She wrote a book called Prayer in the Night. And reflecting on Matthew chapter 11, here's what she said. She said, Jesus calls the weary to himself. He does not call the self-sufficient, nor those with the proper religious credentials or perfect Instagrammable lives. He calls those exhausted from toil, from just getting through the day. He calls those burdened with heavy loads, those weighed down by sin and sorrow. It is these, not the confident and successful, to whom Jesus says, come to me. So let me kind of work through three different ways of working you, helping you process Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. And the first is this. Matthew, 28, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, it gives us rest from work and labor. We need rest from work, labor, stress, pain. Like we, we hunger for that. We want that. So repeat after me, rest from. A lot of times this is what we need. We need rest from work and labor in order for us to have some peace with God. Now, one thing about me, and I've mentioned this in the past before, but I, I hate naps. I, I think they're overrated. I think they're a waste of time. I think they take away productivity. Like, I, I don't like naps. If I take one, it's usually accidental. My wife, on the other hand, loves naps, loves to sleep. Casey's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen, but she considers sleeping one of her hobbies. There are times that we'll be in a circle of new people, and somebody's leading a discussion, and, you know, it's one of those where you go around the circle, and you say, this is my name, and this is what I like to do. And there are times it's come to Casey, and she says, my name is Casey Ross, and I love to sleep. And then everybody laughs, and then the facilitator will say, okay, that's really funny, but what do you really like to do? And she's like, no, seriously, like, I, I think it's fun to sleep. Like, she, she loves, my, my wife loves to sleep. Now, the only place in the world that I... I can take a nap is the only place Casey can't take a nap, and that's on an airplane. When I get on an airplane, I can go from one to five. I can, everybody ugly sleeps on airplanes, right? And I can, I can do that quick, and Casey can't sleep on a plane at all. A few years ago, we traveled to Rome for our 15th anniversary, and I slept fine on the plane. She didn't sleep at all. 
And when we landed in Rome early in the morning, we hit the ground running. And we did a couple of tours. We walked around the city. Uh, we toured the Colosseum. Had a great day. We decided to eat an early dinner because we were really tired and we were hungry. So we ate around 4.30 in the afternoon. And we ate, I mean, it was, I mean, lasagna, pasta, bread. It's what the Apostle Paul ate in Acts chapter 28, I'm pretty sure. So we're in Rome eating this, just this feast. And we get back to the hotel room. Casey showers. She gets out of the shower. I shower. When I get out of the shower, she's asleep. And I am not preacher exaggerating today. She slept from 6 p.m. until 11 a.m. the next day. 17 hours. And she woke up feeling great. Now, Casey would tell you, it's probably the longest she's ever slept, maybe when she wasn't sick, and for 17 hours. Now, I slept for a few hours, but, but then my wife's asleep, and I had all this time, so I got up at night, middle of the night. I just started walking the streets of Rome. I took my Bible with me. I know this sounds like super spiritual or something, but I read the whole book of Romans, walking the streets of Rome. Now, I don't know if this was a, a safe thing to do or not, but I did it, and it was really cool to like, read all 16 chapters of Romans. Now, don't think I'm just some like super spiritual guy because I also got back to the hotel room and watched the entire movie Gladiator while I was in Rome. I had hours that night. So every couple of hours, I would check Casey's pulse to make sure she was still awake. I would roll her over to make sure I was preventing bed sores on my wife. I mean, 17 hours she slept. Because on this trip, Casey was able to release herself from motherly responsibilities, from work responsibilities. And there are times in life that we need to take our hands off of something so we can rest from our work and labor in order to get some rest. You can't read or study the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2 without seeing the emphasis God places on rest. You can't read, study, recite, memorize the Ten Commandments without seeing the emphasis God places on rest. And the whole Sabbath idea is that there needs to be one day a week where you take your hands off of life and you trust that God's going to keep the world going. And the Sabbath wasn't just for human beings. Sabbath was for the land. Sabbath was for animals. Like everything needed a break to be reminded God keeps the world going. You can't read or study the life and teaching and the, and the ministry of Jesus without seeing Jesus' emphasis on rest. And it was rest that reminded Jesus of purpose and identity and character. I think most of us know the value of rest and something we probably even crave and we desire and we can make arguments for why we need it. We just don't prioritize it and we just hope at some point it happens. You need rest from work and labor. Here's the second thing, and I think the second thing is even more important than the first, is we need rest while we are in work and labor. We need to learn how to rest while we're in it. So repeat after me, rest while in you got to learn how to rest while you're in it. So last year when the pandemic first started and everything shut down, I approached the pandemic as a sprint. I thought we would be in it for a couple of months, maybe just a few months. So I just went into overdrive. Adrenaline kicked in because we were having to generate communication pieces for the church and we were having to shift how we did ministry for a season and how we're trying to keep people connected and we're having to learn how to speak in the cameras like we hadn't had to do in the past. And, and it was a real challenge and I embraced it as a sprint. And as my adrenaline was pumping a few weeks in, I realized that if I keep approaching this as a sprint, I'm going to wear myself out. 
And then, at least for me, I developed some really poor habits in my life because of how I was approaching life. And for any of us, when you develop poor habits in your life, it is so hard to break those habits in order for you to live a healthier life. So I began to shift my thinking from approaching the pandemic as a sprint, and then I started thinking about it as a 5K, that we were going to be this in a little while, we're going to be in it for a little while, but it's like a 5K, but I hate 5Ks. I've done a couple of them in my life, and I'll be honest, I probably cheated in both. I probably cut some corners. I didn't do a full 3.2. It's probably more like a 3.05 or something like that, all right? But I don't like 5K. I don't like running long distance. And then a few months in, I realized it's not like a 5K. This is like a half marathon, and only crazy people do have marathons. Except you, Casey. You, you're, not, you're not a crazy person. And then it's like a marathon. But it's really not like a marathon because one thing I realized is that in marathons, you train for the marathon. Some of us have found ourselves in a pandemic and it was something we hadn't trained for, we weren't equipped for, and now we're running this race, we're running this marathon, and it's something we had not prepared for at all. And when you do a marathon, if you do a St. Jude marathon, you're running through neighborhoods and you're running through St. Jude where there are people cheering you on and holding up banners. You do the Boston Marathon, people are cheering you on throughout neighborhoods, they're holding up banners. But in a pandemic, it's like you're running and there may be some people cheering you on and other people who are just like walking on eggshells. And I mean, pandemic, presidential election, social unrest all happening at the same time when you're running and we're questioning should you run with a mask or run without a mask or should you run with nike gear or without nike gear and and it was this this was a marathon that we're in that nothing we'd ever prepare for and early on last year i had to, to to remind myself i can't take the approach of when we get to the other side of the pandemic then i will rest i've got to learn how to rest while i'm in this I've got to learn and develop rest habits while I'm in the work and labor. Because some of you probably take the approach sometimes of rest will come at Thanksgiving or if I can just get to Christmas or just to that next vacation or next summer or when I'm out of credit card debt or when I retire, then I will rest. When there is a rest that can come from God while you are in your work and labor, that is something a vacation can never provide for you got to learn how to rest while you're in the grind of life. Here's just a little context with Matthew 11. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives his second long teaching in the gospel of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 10, is all about activity. It's about mission. It's about sending 12 people out on a mission trip. Matthew chapter 11, from verse 2 all the way to verse 24, it's people who are observing Jesus, but they are refusing to surrender their life to Jesus. So up until verse 24, it's just kind of these stories and even Jesus who even indicts a few, a few towns and cities because people have observed who Jesus is, but they're refusing to surrender their lives to Jesus. And then you get to verse 25 where Jesus speaks this out of that context. And here's what Jesus says. At that time, Jesus said this, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And you could read that and think that God and Jesus are like playing this game on keeping back the character of God from some people and extending or revealing the character of God to others. But in verse 28, the very first word Jesus says is the very th first thing he says is, come to me, 
all you who are weary and heavy burden. This isn't just for a few or for the elite. This is an invitation for all people. Matthew is writing to folks who had just experienced the temple being destroyed. Dreams were crushed. They weren't sure what their future was going to look like. And those people hear this word in verse 28 through 30 of Jesus saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. But here's a third thing. And I think this is even more important than the second, which I thought was more important than the first, and it's this. You can develop some disciplines in your life to rest from work and labor and to rest while you are in work and labor, yet not rest in Jesus. The point of Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 isn't that you find rest and peace. It's that you rest in Jesus. Jesus is where the rest is. And I, I mean, I, I just go on the record. Like, I think it's fine. I think everyone needs a little Netflix binge every once in a while. Amazon Prime, Peacock, find you a show and just go after it. Enjoy it. Rest. But if we develop rest for mental health and physical health, but we don't have disciplines in our life of resting with Jesus, we miss out on the power and everything that Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 wants to give you. So when Jesus talks in Matthew 28 through 30, how Jesus talks about rest two different times, what Jesus talks about is a yoke. So in the same context that Jesus invites people in the rest, Jesus also invites people to be yoked. A yoke was a harness placed on an animal for the sake of work. It did two primary things. It provided discipline and direction. So Jesus extends an invitation to the weary to rest, and Jesus extends an invitation to the weary to be yoked. Now, if you're reading this, I, at least for me, I would much rather have heard Jesus say, take my pillow upon you, or take some pajama pants and get comfortable, or take a warm heated blanket, find you a hammock somewhere and get some rest. That's not what Jesus says. What Jesus invites people into is to a yoke. Which in the ancient world, it wasn't just animals that were harnessed. There were some people who would be harnessed with a yoke too. It was usually the poorest of the poor, or it was slaves who were harnessed and would carry heavy loads. So the image Jesus uses when Jesus talks about rest for the weary is an image that for anyone in that culture, what would have come to mind would be sweat and laboring. It would be carrying a heavy load. Like for them, this wasn't just laying horizontal on a bed or out on the beach somewhere. And again, Tish Warren, here's, here's what she says, reflecting on Matthew 11. She says, Jesus didn't, doesn't say that he'll exchange their yoke for a luxury condo or a vacation package. He offers his followers a different yoke, his. And he says that his yoke is easy and light. There are no yokeless options. You're yoked to something. And the power of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 isn't just that Jesus releases you from any burden you have. It's that Jesus releases you from that and gives you another yoke. Calls you to some kind of work while you rest. Yoke to Jesus. And Jesus promises that in doing this, like, it's going to be light. Because Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 doesn't remove all the burdens from your life. It just reminds you while you carry them, you need to know you don't carry them by yourself. Jesus carries them with you. The same one 
who bore a cross and then asked us to bear our own is the same one who invites us into rest by being yoked. By being yoked to Jesus and believing that in our pain and as we carry our loads, we don't do it alone. I want to invite you to take the bread and the cup. Just hold it in your hand. I just want you to hold it there for the significance of how uh, I want Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 to guide us at the table this morning. So if you're in your home right now or somewhere where you have the bread and the cup closed, if you'll just hold them in your hand. Because there's a promise in the abiding presence of Jesus that's extended to Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 that what Jesus offers is himself. And Matthew begins with Jesus being called Emmanuel, God is with us. Matthew ends with the very last statement in the Gospel of Matthew is Jesus saying, I am with you always. And these are not just promises Jesus wants you to believe. I think Jesus wants you to know how much Jesus believes that. Like Jesus believes that he has an abiding presence to offer you that can help you through whatever it is you are faced with in life. And every Sunday when we take the bread and the cup, we are reminded of the cross Jesus bore and the cross Jesus asked us to bear. And as we come to the table this morning, one reason I want you just to hold the elements, the bread and the cup in your hand, is because every Sunday we don't take this as much as we receive this. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 is a gift from God to be received. The bread and the cup is a gift from God to be received. The last few weeks, I've laid in front of you a truth, a grace, and a reach every Sunday. And here they are today. As we come to the table, here they are. The truth is this. Jesus is good news for the weary. He provides rest for the weary. That's a truth. You can bank on it. Here's a grace. Jesus is highly invitational and compassionate. No matter how many times we have denied the invitation that Jesus ex has extended to us, to go with Jesus into a deeper place, Jesus keeps extending those invitations. Never grows weary in extending those invitations. And thirdly is this. Here's the challenge. Here's the reach. Here's the risk. Is that your influence in life, and when I mean influence, I'm talking about your influence as a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, a parent, a child, a spouse. Your influence. It depends on your willingness to rest with God. Right? So will you. Will you prioritize this in your life and not just assume that there will be times when it happens? Will you close your eyes and bow your heads? And with our heads bowed, let's just acknowledge and offer up our gratitude for God, for all God has done. As we come to the table thinking about weariness and rest this morning, what Jesus provides, what it means to rest in Jesus. If there's anyone today who has yet to be yoked in Jesus through confessing him as the Lord of your life or through being baptized into Christ, will you reach out to us? Just let us know. You can go to our website. You can fill out a prayer card in this room. But God, as we take and we hold, we receive the bread and the cup this morning. I just pray rest for my friends, rest for the weary. Meet them in their need. If they are too weak to reach for you in this moment, reach for them. Thank you for all you have done. 
We give thanks to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.